Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I am absolutely pleased to uh, introduce my guest today, who is Martin Rather, uh, Dan Rather's grandson. And he lives in New York City. He lives by Central Park. And he's here to talk about how difficult it is to be witnessing all this and what uh, Central Park looks like today. So, Martin, we uh, nobody was really prepared for this. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about what's going on? I know it's horrific, but you know, I'd like to hear your your thoughts. Well, thank you for having me, Cynthia. I very much appreciate it. Um, you know, in a nutshell, this is a city unlike uh, one that I've ever seen. Um, I did grow up here, um, and I have never seen anything like this in the sense of New York City is is known for, you know, it's um, certainly it's people, it's density, um, but really it's energy. And right now in New York, what we're seeing is just an almost complete lack um, of any of those things because of this virus. And, you know, most importantly, New York has had more cases than anywhere. Um, and our healthcare professionals are strained to their absolute maximum abilities. And you can hear it. I'm not somebody who works in the healthcare profession, but I hear the sirens go by constantly. I'm sure that we'll hear one perhaps in the background, you know, during our conversation today. Um, and you just, you know, you, your heart aches for them because you know that those, that those are people too and that they are fighting so hard to try to save the lives of their fellow New Yorkers, their fellow Americans, people around the world. Um, and look, you know, New York is right now the epicenter of it. I know that there are outbreaks um, that are coming up in, in other cities as well. Um, but here in New York, we got hit kind of hardest first. And, you know, for me, it's, it's again, it's an unrecognizable city right now. What do you think? Why do you think we get hit the hardest? Be, because of people coming from all over the world into New York City? I think that's exactly right. I mean, New York, of course, has uh, a very international um, population, but also a very transient one, in that you have people coming here, you know, on business or on pleasure from all around the world. And so, you know, those people, you know, when they come, usually they bring fantastic things, uh, new cultures, new perspectives, new experiences. Um, and, you know, those should be welcomed at all times. Unfortunately, in this case, you know, sometimes, um, and many, in many cases unwittingly, uh, also a, a pretty deadly virus here. Um, but New York is always going to be an international city, and it always should be. Um, and, you know, as the world gets more interconnected, I think we'll, we'll see this um, in other places in terms of a, a better uh, exchange. The problem is if we don't take uh, steps in order to prevent you know, basically this sort of thing from happening again. And so far we're a little bit behind on that. Um, we could also see, in addition to the great things that people bring when they travel all around the world, potentially some uh, some not so good things as well. So, you know, we live in the United States. We live in New York. And it's difficult just trying to keep up minute by minute with, with what's going on in our communities. Um New York definitely is a, um, a tourist attraction from all over the world. And, you know, there's big cities like London and Paris. But are they hit as hard as New York City uh, from what you can um, say? 
I think that they had the potential to be hit as hard, but they were not, uh, at least partially because they were able to lock down in a more effective way and earlier. Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, what we've been seeing in, in Spain and in, in Italy and in China and other places, uh, you know, all over the world is, is devastating. And in certain pockets, it is worse um, than it is in New York. But overall, as a whole, New York was a little bit slow to respond. Um, you know, you had the mayor of New York a, a little bit too late saying, you know, to people, hey, you know, you can still go out um, when that needed to be a time to do a total lockdown. Now, the problem is that, you know, New York, and, and we value this, I would say, as much as anybody, we value our freedom and our ability, you know, to, to make our own way, which is a great thing and one of the great things about the, the energy of this city. Um, but the problem is that inhibited the ability to go into a total lockdown. And so, you know, we are a little bit behind um, the curve, and, and we've been hit harder than those other cities that you mentioned. I'm a baby boomer, and I grew up realizing the freedoms we had as far as mobility. As a young person, I mean, it's a culture shock. As a young person, how are you dealing with the fact that you have limited mobility right now? That's true. I mean, look, as a, as a member of Generation Z, number one, you and I, we, we agree on a lot of things we were talking, you know, before we came on. And, and there's a lot, um, you know, that intergenerationally, baby boomer to Gen Z or, or otherwise, uh, you know, we can all be in agreement on. But in terms of our generation, I mean, look, you know, we've, yes, we value mobility. We've had the ability to, to travel and move around and be connected um, with more people than any generation before us, you know, simply because of, of advancements and things like, you know, Internet technology, um, where if somebody, you know, is in China or something, I'm able to communicate with them um, immediately. And what's different now is, you know, yes, we still have that ability to, to communicate, um, but it has to be a balance, right, that there are in-person interactions that we all need as part of the human condition um, and the ability, you know, now that we have uh, to be able to communicate with people a long way away. So the balance is what's off right now. You know, yes, we can all still communicate, but you're right that mobility is limited and therefore those face-to-face -face interactions just can't happen. You know, we're lucky with advancements in technology such as FaceTime and Zoom that we can communicate, you know, over, uh, you know, over different platforms to, to see people, but it's just not the same as when you actually can, can be face-to-face -face with one another. And I think that, unfortunately, this is going to set my generation back a little bit in that we are going to become even more reliant uh, on phones and on uh, computers and on all of those things, which can be phenomenal. But, again, we need to strike that balance, and I think that balance is going to be out of whack for a little while. This happened in March a month ago. So from one day to the next, um, everything changed. People were told to stay in the house, stay isolated, stay away from your friends and family. And it was such a big emotional and mental adjustment. How, how was it like for, for you? I mean, you're younger. What was, what was your feelings when all this stuff started? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, mental health is a serious concern. Um, it's a concern, you know, for, for me. I, I recognize that, you know, I can feel 
um, feelings of isolation and, and loneliness. Um, I'm fortunate in one way in that uh, I'm an only child, and so spending time alone is not something uh, foreign to me. Um, but it is, you know, something that certainly, you know, when this started, it was, oh, okay, you know, yeah, we've got to maybe shelter in place, but we'll still be able to go out and, and see our friends. Then it got, okay, no, you can't see your friends, but, you know, you can still kind of move around and go to stores and things like that. And now it's gotten to the point where, uh, you know, in our house, we went to the store a week ago and, and aren't going back um, until basically the, the supply is exhausted. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's difficult. I try to... Um, to speak to people more often on the phone. I was just reading today, apparently phone call uh, numbers have doubled uh, in the past couple of weeks, according to, to Verizon and AT&T and others, um, which I think mm-hmm. is, again, just people who are alone in their house trying to make uh, connections with other people. Um, but it, it has been difficult, and I expect it will continue to be difficult because we're certainly not out of this yet. So the only hope is that while it's kind of a cheap substitute, being able to, to call and interact with people, it's really the best we can do right now. What's it like in, in um, Central Park? Well, Central Park, and I'm, I'm looking at it uh, right now. I can kind of peek through and, and see it here. Um, Central Park is it's different than it's ever been um, in one um, in well, one specific way, which is to see field hospitals there is a site that I never could have imagined. Um, you know, obviously they're necessary and I'm really glad that they are there given what we are going through. Um, but Central Park is a place that people come from all over the world to come and see and for it to be turned into a triage center is, it's difficult to stomach. Um, but also Central Park, you know, it's the kind of place where people go and they'll throw a Frisbee around and things like that, um, you know, on a normal day pre-coronavirus. Now you see some of that, but when you see it, people are a little uncomfortable with that idea. Me personally, I don't think people should be doing those kind of things. Um, I think that really being alone is the only way we're going to stop the spread of this virus, and I know that's difficult, and I recognize I just talked about mental health here. Um, But you see a lot of people who are following social distancing guidelines and a couple people who are not, Um, and I just think, you know, it's hard to see that. Uh, anywhere, but especially in Central Park, where you you yearn for the opportunity to to be around people and to look at the same sights, to to watch the ducks as they go by, you know, among a crowd of people. Uh, and we just shouldn't be doing it right now, although unfortunately, a handful of people still are. Uh, sometimes um, when I put the TV on, I show clips of um, Times Square. Times Square looks like nothing I've ever seen before. There were people, there were lights, there was activity. Now it's like a ghost town, right? It is. You're absolutely right. And the thing about Times Square, and I think it's it's indicative um, of a larger trend, which is Times Square is the kind of place that uh, a lot of tourists, um, you know, like to walk by. And regular New Yorkers Mm -hmm. tend to avoid it because it's a little bit chaotic in the sense that, you know, there may be some pickpockets there. There are the... uh, the figures who want to take a picture, people kind of stop in the middle of the street. So it's, it's typically a place um, to avoid. But with this significant drop in tourism, you're absolutely right. It's just totally empty. And so what you're seeing is tourists aren't coming because, you know, there are no flights and they shouldn't be coming here, um, whether to, again, don't, don't spread the virus uh, and don't get the virus. And so, you know, that's the goal for everybody here. And if people are coming in, you know, they're, they're not really following those guidelines. So tourism is way down. 
Um, therefore, you know, it becomes a kind of a domino effect. Advertising is way down. You have these big billboards. You know, those are going dark because there's nobody to project those images to. Then there are massive hotels all around Times Square. Those are shutting down because there's no occupancy there. That's leading to a loss of jobs for the thousands of people who work there, you know, a loss of income for, you know, the local bodegas in their community and on and on and on and on. And so, you know, you get this chain reaction domino effect that all starts with just one place, as you said, Times Square being empty. I live in Albany and I live up the street from the Capitol. And when I when I walk through the Empire State Plaza, it's it, it that's like it goes down too. The um, session ended last week uh, abruptly, or you know, prematurely is the right word. And you know, I was used to going over to the Capitol, listening to press conferences, you know, participating in rallies, and now there's none of that. It's like, oh my God! It's that is like a ghost town, also. So you know, you see up downstate. I see upstate, and it, it's like such a game changer. Um, it's really amazing. So I, I can um, imagine, and you know, the legislature is doing very, very important work right now. I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, that Albany is another key place that maybe isn't as discussed, uh, you know, as New York City at the moment. But you know, Governor Cuomo has taken the lead uh, nationally um, on the way to respond to this virus, and our legislature. Are you there? I seem to have lost Martin. I'll call him back. Bear with me. Hello. I I lost you. Oh, sorry. We got we got disconnected. Sometimes the cell phone service can be a little um, problematic. But but to, to yeah to answer it, you know, just to say that Governor Cuomo has been doing a phenomenal job. Yes, the legislature ended prematurely. I know that they are going to look at remote voting, um, and I hope that that they'll really um, pursue that closely. But you're absolutely right. It, Albany is another place that people should be focused on. They're doing a lot of important work there. Right. And uh, to walk through the concourse, it's like walking at midnight. There's nobody around. The gym has closed. All of the little restaurants have closed. There's no um, culture events happening at the Egg or the Palace or the Times Union Center. It's, you know, it's an adjustment for, you know, to realize, okay, I've got to do this for the sake of everybody. But when you don't have the opportunity to do anything, it's really upsetting. The, uh, is that the mindset of people in New York City? It, it is. It is. It's certainly the mindset of people here in the city. Um, you know, New York is, I would say, benefited ever so slightly in that places are a little bit less seasonal in some ways. You know, for instance, I know in Albany when the legislature's in session, you know, there's a few places that really, uh, you know, heat up, some of which you've mentioned. And then as it goes away, you know, that's kind of the the low season for those establishments. Here in New York, we don't really have that much of a low season. But that is even what makes this more devastating is since everything is, you know, the cost of things are so high in New York, the margins are so thin, people have to work so hard that any disruption even just a few days can be devastating um, to say nothing of, you know, the month, month plus 
um, that we've been dealing with this crisis. And, you know, my heart goes out to all of those small businesses. I know that some of them are going to be getting some federal government relief, um, but my heart goes out to them because, you know, in every one of those small businesses, that's somebody's dream, right? That's somebody who fought really, really hard in order to make something happen. Um, you know, for any number of different reasons, they were fighting for it. And that dream right now is a dream deferred. Um, and unfortunately, I fear for a lot of them, it's a dream that's, that's going to die. So we touched upon Central Park and we touched upon Times Square. What other areas of New York City are seem to be so unreal at this point? Well, I mean, I've been in a position where I've, I've had to kind of stay where I am for the most part. But from what I've been able to see and from people I've been able to talk to, um, it does seem like there are certain parts of, uh, you know, some of what are referred to as the outer boroughs, Brooklyn and Queens and others, that are mm-hmm. uh, really getting hit by the virus in terms of clusters. And that's really the devastating thing about this virus is that it, it latches on. It latches on to a community or to a place. And it just infects everybody who's there. And so, you know, you look at a couple of these places. I know Elmhurst is one. Um, you have the Elmhurst Hospital that's there. You know, you're just really, you're, you're seeing kind of incredible outbreaks and it's devastating communities. But every single community in New York is hit by this and every single community is hit hard. Uh, and we are, you know, we're all doing our best to get through it. But you know, we're all in this as one, that, you know, we're all New Yorkers. And whether it's happening, you know, somewhere that might be a few miles from where I am or whether it's happening somewhere that's down the street, you know, we're all fighting and we're all fighting this together. And we're really going to have to recover together, too, and that's going to be a, a long road ahead. Yeah, I, I think the recovery period is going to be a long time. And I really think this whole um, pandemic crisis will change society. Would you agree? I completely agree. Um, I think it will certainly change society in the short term, you know, in terms of the, um, I mean, really just the effects of so many people being sick and so many people in pain and so many people dying. I mean, these are effects that have, you know, I mean, people's mental health, um, you know, their ability to to communicate and and to be, um, you know, members of society in the workforce, that's all going to be affected in the short term. Then you have the people who've lost their jobs. And then beyond that, you're going to see a new world in terms of a lot of companies will say, okay, we want to do less travel. Um, you know, we need more people to, to work virtually. We want fewer people to come into an office. We may need fewer people overall to do X or Y job. Um, so I agree. This will mark a, a sea change, um, and we're living through history, and, and we don't know what the next chapter is going to be. You know, when, when uh, the planes hit the, the Twin Towers, it was a New York issue. People from all over the country grieved with us. That's right. That's absolutely right. And I think um, I think people are grieving with us right now. And I worry that, unfortunately, we're going to have to grieve with a lot of other people as this goes forward That's and it right. spreads to you know the the next places of of real um, you know that are hot spots of real strong outbreaks. We're grieving with the rest of the world right now. That's and right. It's tough. It's tough to comprehend. It really is because we went from a society that, you know, we could do whatever we want. We could work wherever we want. We can eat wherever we want. And now everything is just closed down 
and we're isolated and we're fearful and we don't know what the future holds. It's really not a good place to be. You're you know? you're 100% correct. No, it's it's um I do worry about the fear. I mean, people are going to have fear about the future, but most importantly, I mean, we're all just trying to get through each and every day right now. It's going to be a new world. Nobody's going to be able to know what it is. I hope it'll be a more fair and more just world. Um I worry that this will only exacerbate uh, you know, differences among people um in many different ways, but you know, we have an opportunity. We have a, a blank slate, a tabula rasa, in which we can make a world that is different from the one pre-virus. And I hope we all can come together and, and bring about the world that ought to be. But uh, I worry that we're not trending in that direction right now. Why do you say that? Well, I say that because, look, I mean, as you, as you mentioned, um, people are coming together. But in terms of where, you know, where a lot of that stimulus is going that was just passed last week, where this virus is hitting the hardest, which is unfortunately in lower income communities, frequently communities of color, um, you know, that, that these, are, these are effects that, yes, you know, this is a snapshot in time, but they're going to have longer lasting effects. They're going to have more people out of work, more people sick, more people dying. And so if you have, you know, wealthier neighborhoods and wealthier cities in which fewer people are getting sick, and then, you know, more low-income or socioeconomically challenged neighborhoods where more people are getting sick, that's just going to exacerbate that gap. Now, we have a chance here to build that new world, right, to bring things like Internet for everybody, right, or to make sure that when we, you know, tax in order to fund our stimulus, that we tax in a fair way. Um, but so far, at least initial indications are that we're just going to try to, quote-unquote, you know, restart the economy or return things back to normal, um, you know, in the same way that they were, and, and that's just going to exacerbate that gap that we've already seen. How long do you think that Central Park will be a uh, mobile hospital? Wow. I mean, look, I'm I'm not a doctor, but I think that certainly for the next couple of months, if not the next few months at least, I also wouldn't be surprised if they just keep that up um, for years to come. And the reason why I say that is, it takes a lot of infrastructure to build that out. Um, it's going to take, you know, just as much to, to bring it in. Um, but we always need more hospital beds. And, you know, right now if they're set up and they can be maintained, you know, they may be coronavirus now and for the next few months, and then they may have a slower period, and then they may go back to being coronavirus if we hit another, uh, another wave of this. So I think we're in for a long, long time with uh, field hospitals in Central Park. I, are you surprised at how unprepared uh, government officials were for this? Absolutely. I'm, I'm stunned by it. Um, certainly our federal government, I mean, that goes without saying almost in terms of, of denying the virus and calling it a hoax and things like that. But even on the more local level, uh, you know, you have, I mean, Governor Cuomo has done a fantastic job, but you had, you know, a state legislature that was confused about how to vote remotely, didn't want to do it now, you know, went out of session, as, as you pointed out earlier. Um, you have a mayor who was encouraging people to go out far too late into this process, um, a decision that probably led, uh, you know, to a significant number more cases than there should have been. Um, yes, the government has been totally unprepared. Now, I don't assign that to any individual person. I think everybody's trying to do their best here. Um, but we were not prepared for this crisis, and the only hope can be that we'll be prepared for the next one. Mm. So, um, 
you know, it, it's so mind-boggling and so upsetting just to even think about it, read about it. And, you know, even though we're isolated, you put the TV on, you read the newspaper, and it's like the same thing. There's, for example, today, Bernie Sanders left the presidential race. That's not a front-page story. Nothing is a front-page story. Everything is coronavirus. And that only adds to the sense of, I don't know if you would call it insecurity or people being so upset. Um, it's, It's crazy. It really is crazy. So we have a couple of minutes left, Martin. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, so my final thoughts on this are, are um, they're overall optimistic. And here's what I want to say, that, you know, New York, but America, you know, it's as, as a whole, has always been resilient. We've always believed that we can come together during times of crisis. We have not experienced a crisis like this before. We have certainly experienced crises, but never one quite like this. And so I believe in the idea and the ideals of this city and this country. And we're going to be okay in the end. We're going to go through, as we already have and as we will continue to, um, a very, very difficult time. But when all this is over, again, we have an opportunity to build a world that is more fair and more just for people. We can take advantage of that. Again, I worry that we won't. Um, But while it's heartbreaking to see all of this right now, and we're talking about things like field hospitals in Central Park, which is unimaginable, um, and my heart goes out also to the city of Houston, um, which is, you know, the next place. It looks like there's going to be a big coronavirus outbreak. I went to Rice University, and I spent a lot of time in Houston. And I, my heart goes out to them. And, and if they have to go through half of what we've been through here, you know, that will be a nightmare and, and far too much. Um, but we all are going to get through this together. Um, and, you know, I, Governor Cuomo, I think, said it best when he said, you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's the situation that we're going to have to find ourselves in, I think, a lot more frequently as we go forward. Um, but overall, I really want to thank you, Cynthia, for, for the way that you've given the opportunity for me to, to kind of say some thoughts on this and, and to speak out, um, you know, about this virus. I'm, I'm most appreciative and uh, just much respect for your work, and I really appreciate you having me on. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Martin, give yourself a little plug. <laughs> a little plug. I have nothing to plug here. Um, all I want to say is... Um, uh, that know that if, if people get a chance, if they could follow me on social media, I'm, I'm at Martin Rather on Twitter. Um, you know, that would mean a lot. And I'll, I'll also, I'll pitch this over. Uh, my best friend is running for New York State Assembly in the 73rd District. His name is Cameron Kaufman. Uh, and I'm proud to be helping him with his campaign. And I think he'll bring a great new generation of leadership to Albany. So if you live in the 73rd District, uh, vote for Cameron Kaufman. If you're listening in Albany uh, or anywhere else, um, you know, I hope that uh, Cameron will be an effective member of the legislature for you and for all New Yorkers as we go forward. Thank you. You have been listening to Martin Rather, and I'm Cynthia Pula. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Albany. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for taking the time. Stay safe and be well. And be thank well, you so much, everybody. Cynthia. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.